a mighty fancy automobile. Oh, she's a real road king, all right. Zero to 16, 7.5. She'll do a quarter mile, 13.40. 390 horsepower. 500 foot-pounds of torque. Whatever that is, performance and image, that's what it's all about. There's no such thing as a stupid question. This is Drive Radio. All of your automotive questions are just one phone call away. 303-477-5600. Drive Radio is made possible by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. To find one near you, go to drive-radio.com. Now, Drive Radio on KLZ 560. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it very much. Again, we've got the guys from Novus with us today. Josh Goff also from Legacy Automotive in Boulder. But Zach, Bill, and Ricky from Novus, if you got a windshield or a glass question, uh, let us know and we'll get it answered as quickly as we can. We've got some lines that are uh, not full. We've got one line open, 303-477-5600. Sorry, I'm having to look through all sorts of stuff today, microphones and what have you, so it's a little different today. But Mike and Highlands Ranch, what's going on, sir? John, I, I wanted to, to mention something again. Sorry to... No, you're fine. But, but uh, just an observation as it relates to wheels, and it's an editorial comment. Uh, in this day and age, we have far more intricate wheel designs. Yes. And, and those lighter and more exotic metals are being used by virtue of the, the fact that they want to reduce weight. And I've, this is a personal observation that I've seen with some of the automobiles uh, I've come uh, with, and that is you have an option. There's plenty of options for different wheels when you buy a new car. And one of the things that's interesting when it comes to wheel care is what you, what you buy in those wheels uh, can often be almost impossible to clean. And mm. we've all mm. seen yes. cars that the front wheels are absolutely black and that brake dust to continue my point eats the uh, the metal it also eats the clear coating on it and at some point in time your wheels become pitted and and are problematic and reduce the value of your car and we've all driven down the street and looked and go what in the world is going on? Have you never clean, you know, cleaned your wheels? And now we're talking about road rash on wheels or curb rash, I call it. But there are so many folks out there that don't realize how much that ugly brake uh, dust eats into it and reduces mm-hmm. the value of your car. And these wheels are incredibly expensive anymore because of the lighter metals and alloys they're using. And I personally have bought vehicles that I have not ordered some of the optional wheels because of how they would build up brake dust in certain crevices and how hard yep. they are to clean. Yes. And got yeah. to clean in some them. cases, we don't have a choice, but in others, you know, we do. And yeah, I think that's also, Mike, while you're seeing uh, some of these, uh, you know, customers, I guess you could say, or buyers go to an all black wheel versus a you know, chrome wheel, you know, the black, even though they get dusty and they'll look a little dirty-ish, they, they don't have the same issues that you're talking about. They're easier to clean. Well, look at look at some of the designs. Have you tried? I know in some of my cars, you try to clean them and it's a, it's yeah. a task. That's right. 
not yep. going to get them clean running them through the car wash. No, that's why, you know, you go to, like, chemical guys, they make these brushes that go on the end of a drill to actually clean the wheel and stuff with now because of how tar- how hard they are to clean up. Yes, and, and my point was is, is, yes, the road, the curb rash is <laughs> something else, but my goodness, uh, there's a value to those wheels. And yes. I look and I go, good heavens, you need to you need to clean your wheels. Yep. Well said. Exactly. You're exactly right, Mike. Appreciate it very much. Good stuff. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. All right, let's go to Mike in Aurora, I think, was next. Mike, what's going on, sir? Hey, how are you doing today? Very well. How are you? Hey, doing great. Thanks so much. Hey, really love your show. Thanks so much. Hey, I just had a question. I've been on the uh, Ford Bronco waiting list for quite a while. Okay. And uh, they, have, they have notified me that I need to get ready and order my vehicle. So um, I've got some choices as far as powertrains and manual versus uh, automatic transmission, that kind of thing. And just wanted to get your opinion on uh, the two power plants that are available for that new Bronco. And ref- and I um, I apologize. I know the manual versus automatic. It refreshed my memory on the two powertrains. One's a smaller turbo engine versus I can't remember the second. The second's also a turbo. One's a two three four cylinder, I think. And one's the two seven V six, but you can only get the manual, I believe, on the smaller engine. I think that is correct. Not sure if that's a toss up. Not sure. If, yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a toss up, Mike. <clears throat> I mean, if you're a manual guy, I don't think you have any choice but to go manual transmission with the smaller, you know, turbo engine, which at our elevation probably will work fine, uh, given the fact you're, you know, you're supplementing the the smaller engine with the, you know, with the uh, induction of of you know pressurized air, which is what the turbo is doing. Um, that being said, you, you know, if you want more power, you know you're going to get more power out of the larger engine, period. Yeah, I just thought. I, I was just wondering if, if one was a, had, a, had better longevity and a better history or if you knew anything about those two. I, I think they're both fine. Yeah, six I, and one half dozen. Yeah, looking at Josh yeah. on that one, he knows that better than I. I, I, don't see, I don't see any issues either way. It's a matter of I, – I get. here's the other question. What, what – what model are you going to order? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, there's like six different choices, so I've got to go through all that stuff and decide exactly what I want. So Yeah, and I think really what it boils in, because here's where it comes down to as far as I'm concerned, even with the engine choice and so on. If you're going to get one of the options where you get the larger wheel and tire package and you're going that direction, then, then I would most definitely go V6 and automatic if it were me. That sounds awesome. I think that's what I'm doing. So, I mean, and again, just because of our elevation, knowing where we're at, knowing you're going to want that extra horsepower, I would do the larger engine option. And in today's world, the automatics work so well that even though I'm a manual guy, Mike, uh, you know the auto, you know the automatics now work so well that it's just not as big of a deal as it used to be. Yeah, I mean, Josh, that sounds great. Yeah, especially with the new automatics. They're just better than they ever have been. Yeah, and you have more gears and (laughs) seem to. Just do it a lot. They work stick. well. Yeah. Hey, Mike, I appreciate the uh, the opinion, guys. Thanks so much. No, you're, and when are you yeah. expecting to see it? What are they telling you on delivery time, Mike? Well, you know, I think it sounds like probably like maybe May, sometime around there, May or June. I know they push it and back think- some, so yeah, that I, I haven't been following it. I and everybody keeps asking, am I going to buy one? And I don't know. I, I want to see one in person first before I buy one. Well, I kind of do too, but I don't know. If- 
if I'm going to have that option, I would like to. Oh, but. my gut feeling is, Mike, it'll be like anything else. When it first comes out, there'll be high demand. There'll probably be over sticker price for some of the vehicles initially. But like anything else, that will, you know, they're going to build a boatload of these things. Trust me, as time goes by to make money. And, uh, you know, that will become, uh, you know, the prices will come down and normalize and there'll be plenty of inventory. But at first, yeah, it's going to be one of those, you know, have to have vehicles and the prices will be up initially. But it depends on how fast you want one. Right. Exactly. That's really what it boils down to. Well, I appreciate to. it, guys. No, you're very welcome, Mike. I appreciate it. And, and I'm anxious to see one. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing it. I'm just, I, to me personally, I want to see it first. And this is not one of those vehicles where, like the Corvette, you know, I'm willing to buy it. You know, sight unseen. This is a little different situation here, and to me, it's yeah, it's an SUV off-road vehicle. It's unique. It's a Bronco and all that. But I I want to see the vehicle first before I I buy it. John in Denver, you got a question on glass? What's going on? Oh yeah, I have a 1954 Dodge pickup truck, and it's got a cracked windshield. It's a star-shaped thing, but each uh, leg of the star is like eight inches. Anyway, I. I took a photo of it. I was thinking I could text it to the Novus guys, and they could tell me whether or not they could fix it. And with Is a picture, they typically could, yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a big one to fix. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's... I mean, eight inches. So is it eight in every direction? Yeah, it's about... Well, maybe not every direction, but... In uh, how many yeah, cracks? Yeah, it's, well, there's probably, probably at least eight cracks. Yeah, I I think you I I I'm not a windshield repair guy, but I can almost tell you that's a no go, John. It sounds like it may be a little bit too big, John. But if you still want to send the picture, and we can take a look at it and go yeah. from there. Okay, what number should I send it to? Zach, you're probably closest. Um, Why don't you? Yep, it's three zero three six six three eighteen hundred, and you can just text okay, the picture, if, and we'll get back to you shortly. Great, thanks a lot. Yep, you bet, you. John. I appreciate it. And again, not trying to be a a naysayer there guys i just you know you can almost imagine and i know i know what he's trying to do i mean that's a, that's not going to be an easiest windshield out there to find so i get the you know trying to to save that so craig and we rich hang tight we'll take a quick break we'll come right back if you got a question for these guys from novas or from josh up at legacy give us a call today 303-477-5600 we'll be right back this is drive radio Dr. Julie Marquial of Ascent Health Center has dedicated her life to helping you feel well because your health impacts every other area of your life. Think about what matters most to you, the goals you want to achieve tomorrow, next year, in the next 10 years. It will be harder to achieve those goals if you don't feel well. You won't be as effective at home or at work unless your body has the energy and vitality it needs. Dr. Julie of Ascent Health Center wants to provide, enable, and assist you in developing your highest quality of life. And she believes that you will be more effective at the things that matter to you when you feel well. That's why it's so important to take care of your health. And that's why Dr. Julie has developed an actionable plan to help you feel well. All you need is a willingness to change. Set up a consultation. Tell Dr. Julie you're ready to make a change, and she will handle the rest. Find Ascent Health Center in Denver and Inglewood now at RushToReason.com. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. 
From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to the patented damping mechanism on our driveline belt tensioners to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And NAPA parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 NAPA auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at NAPA, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the NAPA auto parts store nearest you, go to NAPAonline.com. NAPA, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. Paul Lewinberger of American National Insurance will make you financially whole. Losing your home or vehicle in a disaster will leave an emotional impact, no matter how much insurance you buy. But it doesn't need to hurt you financially. John Rush personally knows homeowners who have ended up in bankruptcy because they didn't have proper insurance. Even after their houses were completely destroyed, they still had to make mortgage payments. Imagine trying to find a new place to live while still paying a mortgage on your old house, which no longer exists. The same thing has happened to vehicle owners who continue to make payments on totaled vehicles because they didn't have enough coverage to make them financially whole. The personal insurance agent of John Rush, Paul Lewinberger of American National Insurance, will make sure that even in a disaster, you will be made financially whole. Call 303-662-0789 for the coverage you expect. If your engine doesn't leak oil, but you have to add to it between oil changes, where does the oil go? The problem occurs when piston rings clog with carbon and then allow oil to blow by the pistons and burn in combustion chambers. The best service shops use a BG product BG. that cleans the engine in just 15 minutes. Find a shop with BG products at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. It will protect your engine and your pocketbook. Find a shop now. Go to bgfindashop.com. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Craig in Wheat Ridge, what's going on, sir? Hey, John. Uh, just since I spoke to you this, earlier this morning, I saw my first uh, C8 Corvette Red on the uh, on the road. Oh, nice. Somebody yeah, drive. I wonder if mine was out. No, just it wasn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you better check. Make sure yours is Make still Make sure mine's still in the garage. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's an eye-catching car, I'll tell you. Man, it gets your attention quick. It very much does. It's, it's very... Uh, it's very unique looking because there's just not that many around right now. So yeah, it's very unique. Um, I had a question for you on looking. I'm still in the search for a uh, uh, a pickup to tow a small teardrop camper. What is your opinion? Because I know you've done some road tests and reviews of certain vehicles. Have you done the Honda Ridgeline, the new one? The truck that wants to be a or the car that wants to be a truck? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. It, it, I, I'm making fun, but, it, you know, that's a unibody truck. I believe the only unibody truck outside of, well, even those were, I was going to say even outside of some of the old sport tracks is up, but they had a frame underneath them. So to my knowledge, Craig, that is the only uh, unibody type truck like it. Not that that's bad. It's just, it's not a frame on body construction. It is a unibody truck. Honda makes a good vehicle. I'm not going to say anything bad about that Honda on that end of things. And I think if you're doing a small trailer, you would be fine. You know, if you can find the right ridge line for the right price, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, just uh, 
it, it definitely has more of an SUV feel to it. That, that's for certain, as opposed to a full-size truck. Yes, it does. But boy, yeah. it's, it, it's got some good power. I mean, they work well. It it gets out and goes. Yep. Um, what are the dangers of? I know because it doesn't have like a trailer assist or anything like that on no. it. Um, so, Which, by the uh, way, for you know some sixty, seventy years we did without for years and years and years and years anyway so i mean the reality is do you have to have that to be safe towing a trailer no does it help it's like blind spot monitoring or any of those other uh you know you know creature comforts we have craig do they help yes but can you still own a vehicle and drive one without it yes you can okay um well i don't know what what's the what's the tow capacity on the i don't know if i've looked at that in a while they claim on uh, the four by four, not the four by two, uh, five thousand pounds. Okay, I I and I would say that's heavy for that vehicle, especially at our elevation. I think if you're around the three thirty five hundred pound mark, you'd probably be fine. Yeah, I've, I've been reading some <clears throat> online forums, and they say you know if if you've got a vehicle rated for five thousand pounds, never go above let's say three thousand. I'm always kind of one where, especially rule. on if you're looking at a regular vehicle. I'm not saying that right. If you're looking at a regular tongue-type trailer, not a fifth wheel or a gooseneck, but a regular tongue-type trailer, I've always been one to say that, you know, if the GVWR of a of a vehicle is 10,000 pounds, use round numbers here, I'm one to say I don't I don't think I'd go over 75% of that figure just to be safe. And I think what you're what you're saying even on your end is very much the same. Right, right. Now, we start okay, talking, yeah. you know, goosenecks and things like that. Yeah, everything changes there because it's a whole different animal. But if you've got a, you know, bumper pole type trailer, we call them. Yeah, I've always been one that, you know, even if a truck's, you know, big three-quarter ton or one-ton truck, you know, if you've got a bumper pole trailer that weighs eight to 10,000 pounds, man alive, that's a lot of trailer behind you. Right. And then, you know, just it's, it's where you, we've noticed with the vehicle we have, you know, you get at altitude, and, of course, you're losing atmospheric pressure and you're a lot horsepower we're, we're 25 30 percent up here without some sort of a you know turbocharger or supercharger yeah um okay well i guess that's all i had just wanted your no but good vehicle yeah you know. no the, I, I would i would rather see you do that than buy the volvo we were talking about well i i didn't even get there's a whole story behind that uh looking at cars right now is an interesting experience it is because they're all they're all in high demand and they're up in price well, that is, but I ran into situations where I could walk the lot for 30 minutes and not have one salesman come out and say, is there something I can help you with? you got to be kidding me. I am not kidding. That what? was at Stevenson's Why? Uh, Chevy yesterday. Uh, you, you're, you tell me. Do they not want to sell a I car? Mean, or what, what, what am I, am I off my rocker? What, what, <laughs> what's going on here? Well, in, in Stevenson Chevy in particular, there's no inventory on the lot to speak of. No. Um, the showroom is empty. It says the showroom is closed. Um, it's almost like, you know, because of the COVID, they're they're afraid to make any personal contact with you to even. Uh, and they've got COVID protocols. Uh, I did one test drive yesterday where they just they don't go. The salesman does not go with you. Just hand you the key, huh? And, and hand you the key and let you go by yourself. Well, that's I, actually not a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, I, kind I, of I, yeah, exactly. I like those. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm up for. I'm, I'm in on that one. But the, the other one, the Volvo, I wanted to look at, um, they've got it parked in an indoor facility, and there are so many vehicles parked around it, it would take the, the moving of about six vehicles uh. in order to get it out for a test drive. And then 
when you get to talking about I have a vehicle to trade, uh, we're not taking trades. We can't access the titles because of the COVID. Again, we're blaming everything on COVID. Mm. We're not accepting any trade-ins because we pay off the loan amount if there is one, and we don't get the title back from from the lien holder. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's not my problem. If you, I mean, if you pay off the, the you know, the loan amount, they should hand you the title. But, well, there's a delay in it, I guess, because of the COVID. So basically, they wanted to go on a cash-only basis. And I'm like, well, I'm not in a position to do that right now. So um, I guess we just won't, I won't even take it for a test drive. So it's, it's, it's a strange environment, even with the car sales right now. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. Yes, yeah. which is unfortunate because they still got to sell cars. This is ridiculous. Right. So. Okay. All right. Good stuff, Craig. Thanks. Thank I appreciate it. You guys want to add anything to that on the tow side of the fence, on the light-duty tow vehicle? I mean, if he's got a little teardrop, I think he'll be fine. Pretty much. that ridge line. Yeah, yeah it'll be fine. be great. Yeah. And I like it better than a Volvo. And that rides a lot like a car, so it's a lot easier to drive yeah, and the, and than a pickup truck. For everybody <laughs> listening, the ridge lines do work pretty well. You see them running around, and... I'm not knocking them. Yeah, I made fun because it's the car that wants to be a truck. But yeah, it's like my wife's pilot with the you know back part of it cut off. Well, that's pretty. Yeah, that's really pretty <laughs> that's much what, what it is. is. No, it's a great. No, that's a great way to say it. So, all right, three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. That's our phone number. Give us a call. We'd love to have you on air. Uh, whatever question you've got, we'll answer it. Again, Josh from Legacy Automotive. You just heard him a moment ago. Uh, Zach Dowd from Novus in Parker. Bill and Ricky from Colorado Springs are with us as well. If you got a question. When it comes to anything auto glass related, we'll talk more about that here in a moment. But any question you've got for us, let us know. 303-477-5600. You can text us as well. 307-200-8222. Again, 307-200-8222. We'll be right back. Then we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Can you believe how low rates are staying? Still in the twos. Back in the 40s and the 50s, rates were in the 5 to 6% range. How much longer are you going to wait? Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. Your home has never been worth more. Take AIM to get that lower rate or shorten your term. Lower your payment and pay thousands less in interest. It's your money. Call 720-895-0500 now. Affordable Interest Mortgage. Locally owned and family operated since 2001. Are you ready for the future financially? Many of our clients have the ability to access their equity for 30 years without raising their payments now. This prepares them for those speed bumps of life. Ask how you can become mortgage safe too. Take AIM, 720-895-0500, where a reputation of putting you first and listening to you is unmatched in Colorado. Call 720-895-0500 now so you can focus on what's important, family. Regulated by door, NMLS 298-191, equal credit lender. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters, to the patented damping mechanism on our driveline belt tensioners, to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes... And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa auto parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. 
With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. JC's 4x4 has been Denver's premier Land Rover independent service facility since 2005. With all of today's latest off-road technology, JC's British and 4x4 is a Land Rover specialty shop. Not only do they service, but they will also outfit and restore your vehicle. The dedicated staff and attention to detail make JC's British your one-stop shop for your Land Rover or 4x4 adventures. JC's British and 4x4 is committed to quality and excellence, whether taking your kids to school or hitting the back roads for adventure. No matter what road you own from the newest Discovery and Range Rover to an older Defender or Series truck. We can help you maintain, repair, or modify your vehicle. When you're tired of paying dealer prices and only given limited options, call JC's British and 4x4 to service and customize your Land Rover or 4x4. Call JC's British and 4x4 right now at 720-586-4756. That's 720-586-4756. Or go to jcbritish.com. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage. And something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Radio, KLZ 560, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it very much. Kevin in the Colorado Springs. What's up, Kevin? Hi, John. I've got a 96 Saturn with a double overhead cam engine, uh, about 202,000 miles. And a few weeks ago, going up to Denver, uh, it just uh, lost power. And uh, one cylinder, number four, was misfiring, and I did a compression check and it's a dead cylinder uh, so it happened quickly uh, a friend of mine thought maybe a piece of carbon had gotten caught between the valve and the seat and I was going to think about uh, get your opinion on maybe some of these cleaners with the spray nozzle if I removed a uh, an injector would it work to get in back of the valve and just try seeing if it could loosen anything up so is it so you have zero compression or you have like 15 psi or or uh, well yeah about five about five okay yeah. you know yeah i could you could try that or you know sometimes if you get you know a big chunk of carbon you know you could also pull the valve cover and kind of take a, a wooden hammer handle and another hammer and tap on all the valves and see if you can knock it loose on it okay too. And if you had yeah. the best way to though to know too, if you got somebody who can do what's called leak down test, that's when you actually mm-hmm. put it at top dead center on that cylinder, pressurize that mm-hmm. cylinder, and then you can hear where it's coming out of. So you know if it's rings, you pop the right. the oil filler off, and you'll hear it come past that. If it's you know intake valves, you open the throttle right. body, and you'll hear it, or you'll hear it come out the exhaust. So then you know exactly oh. you know where it's going before you even went that far. But I'm not sure you know if it's that big of a piece of carbon. Some that's a lot you have to melt with some of these cleaners you know yeah have you ever used any of these i've seen them on the parts uh, store ca- uh, shelves yeah a we, lot of them are being advertised for these new gdi 
you know, gas direct injection engines. And they'll like break. Talked about. Yeah, they'll break a lot of that down. But if you have that big of a piece of carbon, you know, you can't melt that down with a, a car with a catalytic converter because you just destroy the catalytic converter mm-hmm. in two seconds flat. You know, back in the day on non-catalytic cars, we had this GM upper end cleaner, and that would melt it, but it would melt everything <laughs> from you know there back. So you know, that's why a lot of these cleaners will do it, but you have to do them in stages and, and, you know, it takes a while for them to work. So I think, you know, this is going to be more of a mechanical issue and the best way to find it would be to do a leak down test on it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, my friend did also suggest, uh, you know, removing the uh, cam c- covers and see what, uh, what it looks like and, from the top there. And that is a good way because then you can see if that valve is down. So you'll see, you know, if it has, if that valve you know, sunk or something of that nature, you'll see it sitting at a different height than all the rest of the valves under there. Yes. Yeah, you should see some clearance, too, between it and the cam lobe. You will, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. Well, that, any particular cleaner that uh, that you've tried that, you know, maybe some are no good or some are... You know, all the BG products, they have, you know, an intake cleaner that you can, you know, shoot down the intake manifold and it'll start to melt that down. Yeah, I've used a lot of that. You know, even good old-fashioned carb cleaner, you know, kind of shooting it in there will start to melt Mm -hmm. that stuff too. Okay. Yeah, I've been using the BG products like 44K and the... uh, that engine for EPR, I guess it is. EPR is great, Solid too. product. Yeah. We're, especially with the GDIs, we're using the EPR a lot mm-hmm. on these cars because they make a lot of carbon on the new GDI cars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was my question. Thanks. Uh, appreciate the time. You're well, very welcome, Kevin. Thanks. No, appreciate Bye-bye. you co- joining us very much. Conrad, you're up next. Conrad, what's going on? Hey, John and everybody. How are you guys doing we're today? We're doing good. Great. Thanks for calling, Conrad. Beautiful day today. Yes, it um, is. Here's my question. I got two things. First of all, I was going to say I've, I've been burning. Uh, I go like to the mobile station over there off of Union Street and get the non-ethanol super unleaded there, and then I mix it with race fuel in my Gran Torino. And I was, I was having problems with, with the vapor locking, and I was told that it's because of that ethanol fuel does that in, in the, in the uh, carburetor. It, it causes vapor locking. So that eliminated that, and I mix it with a little bit of race fuel too, like maybe a, a two thirds uh, the pump gas, and then a third the race fuel. So, but my question is, I think that solved that problem. But you foresee, and I hope it doesn't happen, that that idiot that's in the White House and the governor in this state are going to outlaw that that fuel where we can't get it anymore now that they're in power. Good question. I don't know that one. I can't answer. I have no idea. Okay. Well, that that is, that will would that putting that kind of fuel in there does eliminate that problem doesn't it it'll help yes okay okay all right conrad as always thanks no appreciate the phone call very much all right well we got a couple of seconds here before we go to uh some more calls lines are on by the way 303-477-5600 give us a call we'll get you right on air let's talk calibrations real quick guys because i know uh, I don't know that we've really talked about that enough on the show. I know we've hit on it here and there, especially when you guys are on from Novus. Josh has got the, the same situation, you know, same equipment, equipment I should say. Yeah. Talk about calibrations, how it works, the fact that it's not the same for every vehicle. This isn't like an oil change where you've got even this this small range of, well, if I'm driving X, it's X, or if I'm driving this, it's that. No, th- these are very vehicle-specific even inside of a line of vehicles, right, guys? Right. Correct. Yeah. So there's there's different types of calibrations that you can do to recalibrate the whether it's the lane departure or lane keep assist. 
Um, so the two different ones are a dynamic calibration, and then we also have a static calibration. Okay. And then there also can be a mixture of both of them. Um, most of your American-made vehicles right now are running the dynamic, which is where we actually drive the vehicle, um, putting it through a series of tests with our scanner, and it's reading the lines on the road to recalibrate the system. Um, from the static version, we're going to have that in a controlled environment inside our shop where each individual manufacturer will have separate targets that it has to realize. Um, and basically what we're doing is squaring up the vehicle to the target to make sure that that windshield is aimed at the correct direction. So in other words, we're calibrating the systems to go with a new windshield that's been installed, or in the case we talked earlier, even if another area of the system has been changed, swapped, whatever, uh, modified, we have to calibrate that as well, right? Correct. And it, it, there's, in the industry, there's going to be, you could obviously talk to <coughs> different glass shops and have different opinions on that. Um, but the, the principle behind it is when we replace your windshield, it's not going to be in the exact same spot that of course it was not. when it was perched, you know, in the factory. It may not even be the exact same exact size, right? Correct. There could, there's going to be minor s- variations. Yes, there's going to be variations. And these cameras are reading, you know, 150, 200 feet out in front of you. So a small adjustment that we make when we install the windshield. I, I, I liken it to it's like sighting in a gun. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. yeah, So you're on the back end. One little adjustment can change where the bullet trajectory goes immensely, even though we've made just a, a minute change on the scope, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So this, where the safety part comes in is, uh, you know, a lot of these cars now can actually control the steering wheel. Correct. When so it's actually going to do the correction for you. And so if we have a, you know, a bad install or if that... If that's um, off. Yep. And even, you know, when you get a new windshield, it's going to come with the components to mount the camera back on. So we don't ever replace the camera when right. we're doing this. Um, so we could have an issue with how that was manufactured and it's not pointing the camera in a straight direction. Um, so really it's just, you know, to cover, you know, all safety. Sure. Actions. No, liability-wise, you yeah. got to make sure that we've got things handled. Because to your point, uh, Zach, if, if we're not lined up correctly, the car is not going to respond in between the lanes like it should. Correct. And I mean, honestly, these systems, this is autonomous driving dumbed down. Yes, so this is. is what it's going to be in yep. the, you know, not too near future. This is, this is how this is all. The, being this controlled. is the precursor to that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Okay. Good stuff. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Wayne in Western Nebraska, what's going on, Wayne? Uh, not much. It's pretty cold here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's winter. Yeah, it is winter. Yeah. You're right. Still yeah. is. <laughs> My 86 Astro van, Chevy Astro van. Uh, the catalytic c- converter has a tin shell on it, and it rusted and came off. So I just took and took and, and it seemed like it was fairly sealed, but I took and put some of that uh, paste on, you know, for repairing uh, mufflers and stuff. Spread it all over there. You did the old muffler goo. Food. Yeah, muffler buddy. Huh? The old muffler goo. Yeah. Well, it don't have a, it don't have a tailpipe. It runs right off the end of the, of okay. the catalytic converter. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I wonder I wonder if that's going to hurt anything. Well, I have to eventually put a tailpipe extension on there from the catalytic converter out to the back. I don't know that I've ever ran a, a system with no tailpipe off the cat. Yeah. Have I mean, you? Well, no. It's not loud. It's not loud or nothing. Usually but just... if that catalytic converter goes out, then I'm going to have to replace the whole unit. Right. Everything. Yeah, usually just the noise and, you know, the fumes coming back in. You want it to go to the back well, of the vehicle, I, I so... I did uh, one time uh, last last summer. I got it uh, a little bit. Uh, right. N- normally, I don't I, I don't get it. I don't drive it that much just in town. Okay. Okay. But the point, well, the point is, you know... Uh, uh, 
there's there's a law on those c- catalytic converters. You can't mess with them. Correct. You know. That's correct. And uh, but it don't like I say the tailpipe rusted or something. He took it off before I bought it, and uh, and, and he's just got the very end of it in the back where you can see it out the, you know, where the bumper is. You know. Sure. But mm-hmm. it, like I say, it 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 doesn't. It's not loud or nothing. But will it be all right to run it that way? For I have been running it that way all winter. Yeah, as long as you're not getting fumes in the car, you know that's that's the only thing that I I would worry about. You know the well, cat. That, that that van's pretty well sealed up. It's pretty tight. It's okay. unibody, pretty well sealed up. Yeah, I mean the so, cat's already probably compromised as it is. So, you know, as long as you're not getting fumes in there and you don't have emissions up there, probably where you're at in Nebraska, then did I do the right thing by putting that pl- uh, plaster paste on? If you're sealing up leaks, the only thing is, you know, the the cat likes to be at a certain temperature, so, you know, that's, the heat shield well, was. Well, that's, that's good to about two thousand degrees. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the, the point is, you know, that that tin shell on the on uh, was rusted clear out on the bottom, and I just took and, and it came off real easy. I just uh, pulled on it, and the whole thing came loose. Yeah, and the, and the tin shell was there to keep the heat from getting into the car. Right. And, you know, to protect the car from the actual, because the cat will get real hot, and it can sometimes, you know, if they don't have that shell, you'll smell the, the carpet glue starting to burn, and <laughs> it gets a little warm in there, so. Well, it's uh, it's all metal underneath there, you know, and uh, uh, very seldom do I get it out on the highway and run it 30, 40, 50 miles, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'd have to watch that if I did that. I don't overheat that spot. Yeah, you don't, because that, that heat will come up into the car, and if you have, you know, a box or anything there or, right. or carpet there, you know, it, it can get it hot yeah, enough to melt it or right. catch fire. Right. Uh, John, it's all bare metal. Okay. You know, I think that's okay. a carpet in yeah, not as big of a deal. It's all bare metal. Right. It's just a shell, you know, because it's a cargo van. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be fine. Yeah, it should be okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Have a good one. You too, Wayne. You bet. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, somebody had a great question they texted a moment ago for, actually, this is a question coming in from Colorado Springs uh, for Ricky and Bill. Are they able to calibrate vehicles while it's snowing outside? Um, Static calibration, yes, but not dynamic. Okay. Yeah. But Explain. This, well, dynamic calibration, of course, you can't see the lines in the road, so if snow's covering or any snows that's actually hitting the windshield will cause the windshield not to calibrate sure. properly. But if you're in the shop and you're using all the targets, of Which course, is the static you can do that, of yeah, course. Then you can do that calibration. Do some cars require both? Yes. Okay. There are Hondas as well. I know of Hondas so far that you have to do both. both so far, yeah. Okay. And the idea in the industry is it's going to be shifting towards a static calibration because it's a more controlled environment Correct. compared to us being, you know, driving Versus vehicle. out on the road. Correct. So near future, they'll probably all be going to some kind of dual form or, you know, full static. Do you see that becoming more unified or do you still see that being, you know, really across the board according to each manufacturing car? I mean, we, we have the system here so we can service all types of cars. You go to the dealer and they have a specific system for Honda or whatever working. So it's all vehicle specific. So, um, you know, with new cars, new technology, we'll be buying new targets and, you know, have to keep up to date with all the, so it will always be changing. I'd say. I, I, by the way, (laughs) I think you're correct on that. I don't see that becoming unified. We, we, 
and Josh knows this, we tried to be unified with OBD2, well, OBD1 <laughs> first, and OBD2 tried to be unified across the board with every make and model, and, and there were certain parameters to, you know, to make it that way, but there are still vehicles out there where you get into some of the Japanese, some of the German cars, some of the English cars, especially, you know, J- you know Jaguar Land Rover, y- they may have the basics of what's supposed to be there done that's quote-unquote legal. I guess Correct. you could say it that way, right, Josh? Yeah. They're legal according to OBD2. But outside of that, it's everybody's it's, – it's every man for himself, right? Yeah, every we, manufacturer for themselves. We can't even be unified in the terms. You know, I mean, you get a British car, it's boot and bonnet. You know, you get an American car, it's hood and trunk. You <laughs> good know? point. So. That's a good point. No, and, and so I think Zach's right. You know, if we're going to get to the point where we are going to get to the point, is what I should say, to where more vehicles uh, that are driven all sorts of ways. You know, we're already having electrical propulsion, electric propulsion. We've got a combination, which is hybrid. We've got gas. We've got diesel. You know, on the road today, there are some propane still and some natural gas vehicles. Mm-hmm. But I think those those four modes of transportation are going to be here for quite some time. And by the way, every one of those modes can, to, to Zach's point or even Bill's point, when we talking a moment ago about the you know, the, the, the level of autonomy, you know, vehicles driving themselves. It doesn't matter what propulsion is in the vehicle as to whether it drives itself. So as long as it's propelling, folks, it can drive itself. Fully electric, gas, combination of the two, or diesel, that part's not an issue. They can drive themselves. That, that's all in the control of the vehicle itself, steering, brakes, all of that. It doesn't matter how it's propelled. So I... I think there's a misconception, at least there, at least from what I've heard, even sitting here in this chair, there's a misconception that everybody out there thinks that autonomous driving means all electric. Mm. It, no. it doesn't, folks. And, and even the lawmakers out there, I think, have got this misconception, and I think it's a little screwed up on their part. They think all electric means autonomous, and autonomous is a completely separate world from the propulsion system of the vehicle itself. That's am, correct. Am I right, Josh? Yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, you have ABS in electric cars, you have ABS in the gas car. It's, it, it's going to work just the same. Blind spot monitoring, uh, it, lane keep that. assist, I mean, all of that. I mean, it, it really, it's the, it's the car, not the propulsion system that's doing that. So, again, I think there's this misconception that for us to have autonomous driving, we're going to have to have all electric vehicles. That's a misconception I think even Congress has. Folks, that's not the case. We can have full... Uh, gasoline or diesel propulsion, not even a hybrid, but full gas or diesel, and still have autonomous driving with that particular, that Mercedes I'm driving, which I'll do a full review on next week. I'm driving a Mercedes this week, a GLS. Really, really nice car. has a lot of automated driving on it, probably almost to that full level where you almost think in this car, all I do is flip a switch and you're at full level. I mean, it's got that much autonomy already on it, and it's a gasoline-powered vehicle. So it doesn't have to be electric to be that way. It so we'll come matter. back. We'll talk a little more about that. We've got a few more. Uh, we've, got, we've got a few more minutes left to take some more calls. By the way, one coming in right now, 303-477-5600. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. At Napa, we're always trying to make the great parts we sell even better. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And every Napa part is covered by a warranty good at any of our 6,000 Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store, but we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. Go to NapaOnline.com for a location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. 
You listen to Drive Radio because you have a lot of questions about your car. You have questions about what kind of oil to use, what the best tires are, where to get the best parts. But have you ever asked what will happen to your car after you die? Did you know that if you don't have a will that specifically states what will happen, a probate judge will order your family to split your car evenly? And because you can't cut up a car into pieces, your family will be forced to sell it and just split the money. According to Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, it is estimated that two out of three people don't have a proper will in place. And oftentimes, things like your favorite classic car are accidentally forgotten completely. Michael understands that the only way to be absolutely certain that all of your final wishes will be honored is to take a small amount of time to talk about it. 720-394-6887. 720-394-6887. Call Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, right now to set up a free consultation and make absolutely sure that you don't leave anything to champ. Few things are life-changing. Your wedding day, the birth of a child, an oil change. Wait, what? Yes, an oil change can change your life if it comes with a peace of mind that if your engine, including the fuel system, fails, you're covered for life. The BG Performance Oil Change comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system. Find a shop near you at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. BG. John Rush personally uses Novus Auto Glass to maintain his fleet of company trucks. All of his trucks tend to be in the same place at the same time on Friday mornings. So every Friday morning without fail, John's local Novus guy comes by to check all of the windshields on his company fleet. That's at least 50 different windshields. On the spot, any new little chip or crack gets immediately repaired. Since John self-insures his glass repair and replacement, Novus offers him a discounted cash price. Even more importantly, John saves a lot of money in the long run by repairing those chips and cracks immediately instead of waiting to replace all of those windshields down the road. He'd much rather pay $40 or $50 per vehicle for regular repairs than pay hundreds or even thousands of dollars to replace each of those windshields. Take care of your company vehicles. Visit drive-radio.com slash Novus now and schedule regular maintenance for your fleet. Novus Autoglass, the inventors of windshield repair. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Jim in Kansas, you're next. What's going on, Jim? Hi, thanks for taking my call, John. Appreciate that. And Thank I'm you. And the uh, fellows that you have with me. It's all good information. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my my car that uh, I wish I had back would be my 68 Chevelle SS, uh, four-speed, you know, 396. That was a oh, man. good car. Yes. Yeah, it was a good car, good and good road car, everything. The other question is, I, I bought in um, 1981, I bought a Camaro Z28 okay. T-top type car. Yep. I still have it. And do you think the value on those cars have reached their top, you think? No, they're starting to come up now. No, there, there's lots of room for that car to grow, and they are as we speak. It's taken really a, a long time for those to start, you know, moving up in value, but they, they are right now, Jim, as we speak. So, no, that, that one's worth hanging on. I mean, as long as you can afford to, you know, kind of maintain it and keep it, store it, insurance, whatever you want to do. But, no, I, th I think that's mm -hmm. a vehicle that in the next even four to five years is going to increase uh, considerably. Good. I don't have a crystal ball, mm -hmm. but I, I can see that one. I've been watching those, by the way, because that's kind of one of those cars that, 
you know, I wouldn't be mind even the IROC, especially the old IROC Z28s. If you had an IROC Z28, yeah, I think those are definitely going to come up in value. Okay. All right. Enjoy your show. You bet, Enjoy Jim. No, thank you very much. And, yeah, I, I, guys, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But if you look at some of the trends and you look at where some cars have you know, been in the past, where they are today, what the values are doing, yeah, I mean, I think it's natural that that next step will be that next generation of Firebird Camaro, uh, you know, as you start moving up, you know, because as there becomes – it's supply and demand. As there becomes – less of those previous generations around and nobody can buy those well then somebody says well i can't buy a you know 72 well then i'll buy a 75 when there's no 75s around in that generation okay well then i'll move into that 81 to they went wherever they stopped making them i can't remember when the last year was 81 to it was late 80s early 90s i want to or maybe mid 90s sorry josh i can't remember something like that so it'll be that generation and that's just how things work is is when when you can no longer get one particular series, well, then it just bumps into the next series. It's like Chevy trucks. So the 69 to 72s were super popular, still are. I mean, if you can find one of those and own one, uh, they're going to go, especially a four-wheel drive short box truck or a Blazer. I saw the other day that the, the Blazer, 69 to 72 Blazer, has had the most appreciation in the last five years of any vehicle on the planet, period. It's been like a 35% increase in value in that amount. It's just huge. It's enormous. Well, since you can't hardly get that vehicle anymore, the next generation, 73 to 80s, are now in that model, the Blazers and such, starting to go up in value. So once those are done, now it'll be 81 to 87. So with every one of those, as there's less and less of them out there, and our guys are restoring them and keeping them, and the value goes up, well, then we just move to the to the next generation. That's just how things work. So, again, I'm not a... I don't have a crystal ball, but you can see some of the handwriting on the wall for some of this stuff and just kind of know what's what's coming, which always leads to the next question. What do you buy today and keep that will be worth money down the road? I have the foggiest idea. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know. Bronco? I, yeah, the new Bronco. Bronco, maybe. You know, and, and, again, the Bronco, maybe, depending on how many they make. I mean, if they make a run of those for the next 10 years straight and they produce millions of them, eh, it'll take a while for that to come back up in value. But – you know, you look at some of the older Jeeps, which are really now starting to come back in, in value. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, again, it and, it and it really is dependent upon what the desire for that product actually is. Uh, for example, the old Willys wagons that were built back in the, you know, early to mid-60s. I always thought at some point those things are going to get to be worth some money. Guess what? Even today, they still aren't. Mm-hmm. What I, it, I thought at this point they would be. What about the FJ Cruiser? The They're time? worth money now, and I never thought they would be. Yeah, That's the opposite, actually, Ricky. I, I honestly never thought an FJ40 would be worth anything, and now they're worth a stinking fortune. Oh, wow. And they weren't that great of a vehicle. I'm just being, sorry <laughs> if I'm stepping on toes, but they weren't a great vehicle to begin with. And yet today, Ricky, no, they're, they've skyrocketed. Wow. Uh, if you can find an original FJ40 that hasn't been all you know cut up and changed up with Chevy V8s and all this other stuff, and just an original, clean FJ40, they're 40, 50K. I'm not, and you back, yeah, wasn't that long ago you could buy one of those for 2,500 bucks, yeah. and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> That's how far those things have come up. So anyways, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, just you can kind of see the handwriting on the wall. Paul in Wyoming, what's up? Hello, Paul. Paul, are you there? Hello, hello. Okay, I'll put Paul back on hold, and 
Charlie or uh, Larry, if you can get him back on and find out if he's there, we'll take his call. But yeah, guys, and you guys see this even on the glass side of the fence. You see some of the classics and different th- different things that are out there and so on. And again, I don't know. I, I really, I you know, is a you know is a Hellcat you know Dodge Hellcat today going to be worth money on down the road? You know, probably because there's not that many of them you know produced in the first in the first place. So anytime there's less produced, you could see that you know going up in value. But some of the cars today that are worth a fortune. Like FJ40s, I mean, they made a gazillion of those things. Yeah. So it's not like, but the problem is, most people didn't save them. They got crushed or they got rusty and they went by the wayside and they were rust buckets to begin with and nobody really saved them. They just sort of, you know, people, once they were done and they were used up, they just went by the wayside. So what's going to be popular down the road? I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, recently, if people would have bought and kept a 734 diesel Power Stroke, Mm-hmm. If you'd have bought a 2003, the last year that they stopped making the 7.3 Power Strokes, if you'd have bought a new one of those and really kept it up, used it, but really kept it in great shape, you'd make all your money back double over today. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because of what they're bringing. And that's not that long ago. So, again, it just depends on what happens and where the market heads and, and all that. And I, I don't have the answer to that stuff. I wish I did. You'd be a gazillionaire if you knew all that stuff looking <laughs> down the road. And one of these, one of these days I'm going to ask the question – what should you have bought years ago that you had the opportunity to and then didn't? I'll ask that one here maybe in the coming weeks because that's another great question of, you know, you had the t- chance at one point to buy a car. You chose not to for whatever reason. Looking back on it, what, you know, what would you have changed if you'd have known today what you know? Hmm. And, and I, again, I don't know. I mean, the 72 Blazers, back when you could have bought those for 1500 two grand, and you could have bought them all day long and stuck them in the backyard – um, that's probably one all of us missed out on because yeah. you literally could have bought those things for a little or nothing back in the day. And the Jeep Scramblers have Jeep gone Scramblers too, yeah. another one. Yeah, well, you know, but that's another one they never made a lot of. No, they never did. So yeah. you know, if you found one, but, but to your point, Josh, I mean, some twenty years ago you could have bought a Scrambler for four or five grand at most, and that was a high price. That was a, a nice shape one. Yeah, you know? that was also a good shape. Like two grand lying around for and, a long time. But again, there are some vehicles that I've always felt like would do really well. But just did. So, anyways, guys, uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Josh from uh, Boulder Legacy Automotive. Josh has a couple of shops, by the way. They do diesel repair and all the other stuff and all of the, you name it, you do it all. Pretty much. Without some of the Everything exotics. Everything but body work. Everything but exotics and body yeah. work. So, just call Josh up in Boulder. What's your number, Josh? It's 303 396 0555. And then, Zach, thanks for joining us. Nova's Glass. What's your number so folks can call you if they need to in the Parker area? 303-663-1800. And then down in Colorado Springs, Ricky, Bill, thanks for joining us. Number, how do they call you? Thank you. Uh, 719-266-1883. All right, perfect. Guys, thank you so much. Again, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. If you ever miss a show, you can catch it via podcast. You can find that right on the website, drive-radio.com, or go to SoundCloud directly, soundcloud.com slash drive radio, all one word. You can find us there. Don't forget, Sportsman of Colorado is coming up next. Otherwise, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments, download previous programs, and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.